My name is Eric Kruger. We are recording this T-minus two days before lockdown in South Africa. And uh, luckily, John managed to escape and he is uh, in South Africa for the lockdown. So uh, my ever elegant co-host, how are you doing? What's up, Eric? Uh, thank you so much. I'm sitting here on the farm in the middle of the mountains, uh, loving this lockdown. For me, I don't feel it at all, so it's a fantastic thing. Eric, I'd like to congratulate you on your background. I see that you have learned yes. new Zoom background drops, and uh, you're looking ninja even more skills. handsome than usual. Mm. Ninja skills, your digital ninja skills. So look, we've been uh, creating a lot of content together and um, it's been fantastic because we're almost speaking to each other two, three hours a day on different sets of content. We're learning so much, but today we're here to interview a good friend of mine, Gerard, who I've been friends with for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Gerard is an exceptional hotelier and has seen his career take him into Europe and work with some of the biggest hotels in Europe and some of the most successful ones. Uh, I've also worked with Gerard on a couple strategy sessions and keynote sessions in France and in Latvia. And uh, right now, Gerard is the CEO of a hospitality company. And in our wartime CEO series, we thought it would be wonderful to chat to somebody in the hospitality world, which mm. has been affected just so incredibly. In so Gerard, yeah. welcome. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. All right. So uh, to set us up for the call and to introduce yourself to the listeners, uh, just tell us a bit about the company that you are in, um, what you guys are doing, and also more or less what the headcount is. Okay. So um, my company name is Apex Alliance Hotel Management, and we are what they define as a white label operator. So we're a third party operator, if you wish. So essentially what we do is, uh, if you're a hotel owner, um, we help you establish a franchise agreement with the larger brands, Marriott and Hilton as an example, and then we manage it for you. Um, so it's a very interesting model. It's gaining a lot of traction, in, especially in Europe and America. And so we've seen a rapid expanse in terms of this company. It's four years old, so it's still kind of classified as a startup, but we have 16 hotels on the books. Um, and potentially, well, pre-corona or COVID-19, we were looking at roughly 30 hotels to be signed in, in really key locations across uh, Europe. Um, so we, uh, we're growing and we're growing fast and we're working with the biggest brands, Hilton and Marriott at this stage. And uh, yeah, so in terms of the company itself, we're, we're based in Lithuania. My head office is based in Vilnius. That's where I am right now. And uh, headcount-wise, you're looking at uh, you know, almost 400 employees now in the, in the, the various hotels that we have. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and uh, what do you do there? What's your role? As a CEO, so my, my, my kick off, with the exception of the, determining the strategy for the management company, it's all, it's all related to business development. So it's in terms of growth. It's in terms of actually implementing strategy, like long-term strategy. What is our... Uh, approach uh, regarding development of the employees. What is our approach with regards to implementing business intelligence tools in terms of staying at the cusp of what's happening in the hospitality industry today? Uh, there's, of course, the sales element, so in terms of driving new business into the hotels, uh, and then day-to-day -day operations. So it's making sure that the hotels function as, a, as they should. We have brand standards that we get from the brands, from Marriott and Hilton, but at the same time, uh, we have to implement our own brand standards. Uh, how do we how do we manage hotels? What is our values? What do we stand for? What is our purpose? You know, when it comes to hospitality. 
and that's my role. So I'm running this company, and um, yeah, and now, as I'm sure you can imagine, with COVID-19, uh, it has disrupted my industry more than anything ever. Mm. This, we are the hardest hit industry globally right now. That makes sense. And uh, I've seen the the video from the Marriott uh, CEO. Uh, it was a, it's a really good video. Like I think it shows really good leadership. But yeah, I think he was saying that in some of the hotels, like they're down 90%, some, yeah. something to that extent. So it's it's the case scenario. Like I mean, I look at our hotels as well. I've shut them. I've shut all six of our hotels across the central, all six hotels in Central Eastern Europe. I've shut them as of today because sure. there's just no no point. So you're sitting at one percent occupancy. It's ninety nine percent drop in occupancy, and it's not small cities. You know, I'm talking Bucharest, where uh, currently the one hotel which is sitting in the old town of Bucharest should be running at ninety nine percent occupancy. It's got one percent on the books. Wow. It's not, it's just, there's no revenue. Yeah. Like, I mean, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Nobody <laughs> would have thought that we would mm. disrupt it like we have been, but it's, it's, it is, it's tough. It's tough. How are you it? doing emotionally, Gerard? I mean, sorry, Eric. Like, mm, go for it. Where's your emotional stance? Where's your management emotional stance? Like, where are you there and what have you done around that? So, look, man, you know, this is probably, well, this is the most difficult thing that any, any person has to go through, especially in our industry. Um, because, the reality is that there are a lot of people who lose their jobs. Yeah. And so for me, from an emotional perspective, of course, this is where it's the most difficult because, you know, you have long-standing associates, long-standing employees that have been working with us, that have gone through hell with us in order to get some of these hotels out that we will have to let go, you know, because there's just absolutely no recourse against uh, this, the impact of this, this virus. And, and that's really sad. It's really, 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 really sad. Um, and the main thing is, it's just like for me now is to give people the fair way, the choice. So we, we, we evaluate all the different models, all the different mechanisms that we can go through to, if we do let somebody go, that they are in the best position to weather the storm with their family. So if that's uh, three month compensation, depending on the legislation, Every one of the, uh, not hotels, every one of the countries also have different mechanisms which they're currently applying in terms of, um, not redundancy, but in terms of suspension. So in other words, what we've done in Lithuania as an example, the two hotels, is all the staff, with the exception of some poor people, are suspended. So they get 40% of their salary and they're sitting at home. But at least they know when they come back, they will have a job. You know, so that's the, the most humane thing that we can do at this stage is like, at least they have a job, you know, they have a much significant smaller income that's coming into their back pocket, but at least for the next two to three months or the foreseeable future, they would be able to survive at least, you know. Um, how is your, how's your company's cash flow to be able to sustain this for 400 people? Where, where are you guys getting the cash flow from and how are you going about it? So, like, as a as a as a as a basic principle, what we do is we ensure that our hotels have sort of a working capital for three months. This is kind of a stock standard industry principle. So, the working capital is you need to be able to pay salaries for three months, and you need to um, be able to pay for accounts payable needs to be sorted out, sort of cash, etc. There's a couple of elements that you have to take into consideration. The issue is that. Uh, four of our hotels just opened last year. 
Mm. So they haven't been able to they haven't been able to build up the cash flow yet. Mm. So now we're in we're in deep trouble, right? So how do we pay salaries for March? How do we keep those guys on the books? So we have to find equity partners that are willing the investors of the hotels, of course. We have to ask the owners to 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 um, well they have to fit the bills. So we have to find uh, the most amicable solution for both parties because for the owners it's net bottom line right and for us as a management company it's our employees but you know you can never just look at it as that black and white you have to find this balance like make sure that it's a win-win situation for everybody you know um you know what i'm wondering so you've already mentioned some of the things that you guys have done um in terms of looking at staff count um trying to find the best way to accommodate your people in a, in a very difficult time. What else have you guys had to do? Um, because, you know, obviously I, I would assume based on what you guys are doing, it's difficult to pivot in this time to just an online something else. Cause that's what everyone's saying, right? Like we just digitize our business and, and on we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but what do you guys, what do you guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So we, we we're not we're not really a very digital digitalized business, right? So you mm. still need somebody to cook the eggs, and you need a room to stay, right? So if you don't have guests, if you don't have hotel guests, what what are you? You're an asset management business. So and I think that's that's the first sort of step is like really mitigating the risk, is understanding what is the really underlying net cost of running a hotel without um, any guests. So that's the first step that we have to take is really dig deep into what is it that we can switch off? What can we do to mitigate or uh, negate any unnecessary expense at this stage? Because, you know, the thing is, nobody knows how long this will last. Um, indicate, the in, indicators that we have right now is that in China, there is a positive trend. You know, there's some shops that are opening up, etc. But, you know... Um, in terms of their domestic travel, it's far stronger, I would say, than, for instance, a small European country. So there is an upsurge, but this is three months afterwards, and it's very slow. So the trickle that's going in there is like 10%, 20% occupancy, and I expect the same for you. So we will not see a recovery in terms of hotel occupancies in Europe for at least, I would say, another year. So, you know, so you will have maybe within the next six months, we'll be operating at 30, 40%, something along those lines, maybe 50% and then a slow recovery. But uh, yeah, so so what, what are the steps that we did? Like I knew, I've known already since I would say the last week of February that it's something is coming and what's coming is big. But I had confirmation of the 1st of March when I just saw the wash. It was just like somebody came with an eraser and started wiping everything off. So what I did was in February, at the end of February, the last week of February, I started um, um, I started recording everything I'm doing. So I started recording all my decisions day by day. So I have somebody with me most of the time, or if not, then via email or I record my video recordings with, with people so that there is an absolute record of every decision that we've made throughout this whole process. It's standard sort of like a crisis management uh, tool that we that I like Im implemented, and the thing is, it allows me at the end of the day and my team to reflect on what is it that we've done today, what are the decisions that we've done today, are they the right decisions, and what can we do differently tomorrow? Because the issue is, is that in a crisis mode like this, everything is changing by the second, by the minute, by the hour. There's new statistics, new laws. For instance, in all the European countries, the laws have changed regarding 
this specific situation, the bailout situation. But today the law is like this, too, and then we make a decision because you know we're doing cash flow statements and all this kind of stuff in order to secure some uh, investment. But then uh, tomorrow there's another law, so then half of that. Um, so the waste of time is what you want to avoid in this process. Mm -hmm. Because in South Africa, I can tell you, obviously, you guys are a little bit behind now. So my advice to anybody in a leadership role now is try and limit the amount of wasted time that you spend on doing one thing just to be changed again and changed again and changed again. Because it's changing every day. It's changing every day. At the moment. Very good advice. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I think, I think that uh, the unknown... And the fact that everything is changing consistently is everybody's sort of like we we in the same washing machine together. You know what I mean? Yeah. We we don't actually know when this is going to be ending. Um, I got a couple of questions, but I think I'm going to end with them because I really want to start understanding what could a pivot be and what could you do? I mean, because mm -hmm. there is a thing around like, look, we're a brick and mortar business. That's all we do. That's how we go about it. Mm -hmm. But before I get into that question, because I think that's a good question to end off with, Eric, do you have any other questions like in the sort of current situation where Gerard is? Yeah. So the, it, it's more observation, but it also, I think it ties into what you, where you're going. Um, I think what we're kind of seeing, you know, if there's two big trends is that some organizations are thinking we need to survive this, that when we get through this, things pick up and we go back to business as usual. And other businesses are thinking, well, how do we evolve what we're doing? So how do we take it online? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like for you guys, it is, it's survival. It is, let's get down to basics as much as possible, yeah. survive this. And then when things go back to normal, we just pick back up. Yeah. Is exactly. that, that's the strategy. Absolutely, but also it gives us an opportunity now in the downtime um, to actually distill our our vision far more in detail. I would say, and my 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 team and I we're working on our strategic plan. The guys that are on downtime right now for when we emerge is what are the steps that we're going to take in order to mm -hmm. emerge, and secondly is what is it that, what are the fundamentals, what are the foundation blocks that we in light of such a disaster can implement in order to avoid having to go through the same thing again mm. or be ready the next mm. time or be more ready for, for something like this, you know? Uh, but that's so, still within the, that's still within the structure as being a hotelier. Yeah. Like, have you, have you thought like, so, okay. So have you thought, cause we, We've spoken to some CEOs that have like reshifted their business. They're like, okay, well, look, until it goes back to normal and we don't know if when it's going to go back to normal, we're going to start doing something else. Mm -hmm. Is there something else yeah. in the hotel game? I mean, have you given it any thought yeah, look, what that could be? Yeah. yeah, so look, I mean, for us, you know, we are in the people game. So like th that, that is a fact. I mean, like people will travel, they stay in hotels, and that's something that not will change. And the fundamentals are on that. Mm. Uh, what I definitely see, you know, getting to, I'll get to the pivot point now. What I definitely see is that we are able to re work remotely. I can, um, albeit that you're a bit siloed. I get that sensation that uh, my team is losing, maybe not touch, but they're not as in touch with what's going on when they're together. And so what I did from last week when we moved out of the office, um, uh, I started the daily briefing. So now we have a daily briefing at 9.30 and I take them through what's happening today. What did I do yesterday? Uh, where can I get some advice? What are the thoughts? What is the emotions? Uh, so and how many people is coming in? How many people are coming in for that? About 20. This is my, my head office okay. team. Yeah, my yeah. head office guys. Okay. So they, they, they dial in for that and we have a 
sort of like, like a powwow for half an hour to an hour, just like, and also for people to get some things off their chest, like emotionally. Yeah. It's a nice chest. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so that's every morning at half past nine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and then we do it every day. So in terms of the pivot, some of the things that we've considered, John, is, um, okay, before I get to the pivot, what we're doing right now is an example. One of my hotels, the Marriott here in Vilnius, is uh, we've decided to turn it into a quarantine center uh, for doctors. So doctors that are dealing with like this, um, uh, with the diseased, uh, the sick guys, uh, they do that for a period of time and then they need to go into quarantine. And instead of sending them home, what we said is we've got all these rooms, let the guys come, stay with us, uh, we'll take care of arranging food delivery for them, trash delivery, and they go sit in a tight in a room for 14 days. And we're doing this as a, um, not as not to generate any income, we're doing this out of um, support for, for the local community. Mm. Wow, so that's, that's not really a pivot, but you know, like this is how we pay back, like, not pay back. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? It's all yeah, about you're giving back, yeah, of course, mm. of course. Mm. Yeah. So, that's the one thing that we're doing in terms of the pivots, of course. What do hotel companies have to offer now? That's a very interesting question. Right? So, where we see, where I certainly see the, the opportunity for us, uh, for, for me as well is um, we are being approached actually by a lot of ad agencies or I'm being approached by ad agencies to help them define strategies for companies that are uh, now going through a really tough time. So, so we're helping actually ad agencies develop strategies for other distressed companies because our industry is completely, completely destroyed. So it's like, how, how have we managed to kind of successfully navigate through this disruption? Uh, the second thing, of course, is procurement. We're very strong in terms of procurement because cluster operations, uh, by default, we negotiate service level agreements, food uh, uh, processing and all those kind of things. We, we have to do that and also in terms of food waste management. So as a consulting and also getting a fee on helping people improve their procurement processes, I think that's another thing that we as hotel industry should definitely yeah. consider. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. And I think last but not least is really service related, uh, service related training and so forth. Uh, I know that BMW, uh, uh, in recent years, what they've actually done is they proactively headhunting hotel people to come and work in their shops. Uh, the, the, the guys that are selling the cars uh, mm. and banks as well, incidentally, because they understand that hoteliers, their perception on service is completely different than a regular bank employee or virgin a, active know. virgin active did the same thing in their silo the silo one i used to train at in cape town all hoteliers yeah. and and hotel school people working in reception yeah, yeah, and yeah. that sort of thing yeah so now we we've had a bunch of people that have reached out to us now about how can we support them in terms of their training and all this kind of thing so yeah it's interesting so that's 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 in a short that I've seen in the last few weeks where these are opportunities for us to explore in, in bigger depth. But at the moment, John, to be honest with you, none of these have we've actually been able to pursue because we are just like in shutdown mode now, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, look, I think the thing is, is there's these phases to this, you know, there's the initial shock and then the things, opportunities started arising, the needs started arising. Also, everybody, I think, is in a cash flow situation and saying, well, look, how long is my cash going to last me? And so if I'm going to bring consultants in and trainers in, I mean, what am I training for and what am I consulting? So there's a, I think everybody's in this like new, it's very new. So nobody yeah. actually knows what we're supposed to be doing. Hence yeah. this, this podcast, the, hence mm. this interview, yeah. because we yeah. were trying to figure it out with all of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look, um, I think the, the, the main thing is where I'm, I'm actually 
embraced, if you wish, is that there's a lot of activity now currently in terms of Europe where the governments are really supporting the small medium enterprises, right? So for instance, um, if you have an issue with cash flow, you can now um, apply for a loan from the bank, interest-free. However, what do you do if you're an asset-like company where you don't have any, um, um, what do you could pledge or guarantee to offer? So now what's literally happening is this European funding that's being pressed down into the uh, countries. And each one of these countries has sort of like an investment arm, if you wish. And you can go and apply for 80% of the guarantee for the loan that you take it from the bank. Oh. Mm, wow. so you get mm. you get guarantee on your loan so that you would pay that back or whatever so it's interest free wow. so at least you're secured in terms of mm. cash flow for 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 six months or something along those lines wow. so i'm really impressed by some of the steps that's being taken in europe in order to take the smaller business owner yeah yeah that's fantastic yeah listen from my side um yeah i have i have one question left um Please. which is just you know you guys have made some really hard decisions. And I think, yeah. um, you know, if we look at who we've had on the show so far uh, and some of the guys that I've spoken to, almost none of them have, have had to lay people off. Um, and, you know, everyone is trying to say, like, avoid that as much as possible. And, like, everyone is obviously trying to take the human angle on this. But there are some hard decisions that need to be made. And yeah, sure. for many organizations, that's just the reality. How do you go about making those hard decisions? Like, what is the, you know... <laughs> What drives it? What uh, what helps you to pull the trigger? The, the, the answer is, 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 is very, it's going to come across as very cross or very cold maybe or so forth. You really, really have to evaluate who in your organization will add the most amount of value to you within the next six to nine or 10 months, 12 months. Mm. You know, it's, it's tough. You know, it's a really tough question to answer that, you know, but point in case i don't know if i should even make this example but what is sales going to do now when nobody's buying what are they going to do now what are your salespeople going to be doing for the next six to 12 months if there's no revenue coming in what are they doing Mm. and you know this is this is very harsh and maybe hardcore way of looking at it but it's the reality it's the reality that there are certain positions right now chefs you know like the kitchens are empty. Nobody's serving mm. any food. By decree of the government, the restaurants are closed. What are they going to do now? You know, and so we have to ask. You know, the cooks and all this kind of stuff. They have a better opportunity of going to work in a restaurant now that's doing a food service delivery uh, or food delivery service. Um, and have you not thought of taking your kitchens and making them ghost kitchens? Because I've started to see that ghost kitchens are really starting to fly now because yeah. uh, you can't go in and sit in a restaurant. <clears throat> yeah, so we are actually looking at that now. So actually what we're doing is there's two sides to this. Uh, for the line staff, we've approached the company, which is a food delivery service for grocery food delivery service, like Amazon Food, yeah, similar thing. So they deliver. So what we've offered, because they complete, they, co- they can't keep up. So in addition to this, for, uh, this uh, suspension that our guys are going under, uh, we've actually connected on behalf of them with this food delivery service so that they can actually volunteer to go and deliver food and at least earn some extra money. So the, or they all wear cars, they throw the groceries in the back and they go. So we've done that. That's for the employees. Uh, for this ghost kitchen thing, we, we've looked at it and that's really under top discussion point for us right now, um, whether we can actually realistically do it. But uh, I want to do it. I want to do it. 
similar yeah. because we have uh, like Uber and we've got Uber Eats at least we have a similar version of that which is called Bolt. Uh, and I mean, these guys can't keep up. Yeah. So, mm, well, they must be pumping. Yeah, yeah but I course. tell you, like this, this grocery delivery service, <laughs> uh, they uh, you cannot order within the next four days. Cannot. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's booked. You cannot get anybody to deliver groceries to your house within the next four to five days. Cannot. So if you, uh, yeah, it's a business model for anybody to take into consideration. <laughs> this is uh, something you should be thinking about in South Africa right now. You know, well, Harold, uh, I want to yeah, thank you amazing. so much, man. Mm. Yeah, sorry, sorry about it. I know it's a, it's a tough situation, and uh, Thanks, guys. Yeah. we we we're trying to create this platform to help other people also realize that if they're going through a tough situation, they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, there's some ideas that mm-hmm. pop out of this. But I know what an excellent uh, and passionate operator you are, and I know that you, you're not showing all your emotions in this interview because I know you, and I know this is tough for you. And uh, I, I really wish you all the best. And as Thanks, soon as Robert, this is over, I can't uh, come wait and visit you in Lithuania. I mean, I think we were supposed to be together in two weeks' time. Yeah, I think exactly. we had a whole week we were, planned yeah. in Romania and <laughs> Poland. Everywhere, and, everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, we, 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 I'm going to miss that time with you. But uh, sending you lots of love and thank you so much Thanks, for making man. the time for this. Mm. Okay, guys, stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, look after you. And, uh, thank you. Have to see you soon. Cheers, man. Ciao. Ciao.